0: Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for coming here this morning. Thanks for being with us at Genesis Church. Uh, If you have your Bibles, open them to John chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, get out your phone or whatever device you use, uh, or there's a Bible that looks like this on the floor around you. And John 14 can be found in page 752 in this Bible. Uh, Many of you, some of you know, I ran a big race this summer, it's called Comrades. It's a 56 mile race up and down the hills of South Africa. You have 12 hours to complete it. And I gotta know before I tell you this story, like what's the statute of limitations on using this as a sermon illustration? Like, am I almost out of time? Can I only do it once or twice? Is there a limit? I I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna use it today because I got a great story and I gotta tell this. The night before this race, so it's Saturday night, night before the race, we had dinner with our whole team. World Vision had, uh, there were 70 of us that went, 28 of us that ran the race. And we had uh, a team dinner the night before the race. And uh, there was a coach, they had a coach there, a guy named Brad. Brad is a South African, he's a native, and he um, has run the race several times. And he was giving us all kinds of advice and we're just sitting there uh, eating our pasta, yes, but also with our notepads and taking down his words and thinking about what Brad had to say. But I'll never forget one thing he said to me, uh, Brad told us, he said, when, when the race gets hard, and it will get hard, <laughs> you can't run 56 miles without it getting hard at some point, okay? And so um, it, it's kind of like life. You know that life gets hard sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, you can live a boring life where you're not going to accomplish anything. You're not going to do anything great, and maybe it'll never get hard. But if you're going to have a meaningful life, it's going to be difficult at some point. You know that? So Brad says when when the race gets hard and it will get hard, he says look for other people who are struggling and go help them out. He says when we help other people when we when we enter into somebody else's struggle, it helps us forget about the pain that we're sitting in and helps us think about others and and we get some strength from that. And so he says it actually it gets easier when you start helping somebody else who's struggling. So my friend Andy, um, Andy's from Noblesville. Andy was running with me. Uh, that's a bit of an exaggeration. Andy was running ahead of me by about three hours. And, um, but he told me this story, so I have license to use it, right? This is a true story. So Andy's running. He's about a mile from the stadium, 55 miles into this race. The race finishes in Durban, South Africa. It's on the coast at Moses Mohibda Stadium. Moses Mohibda Stadium. It's important to know that, All right. It's important to the story. So you gotta remember Moses Mohibda Stadium. So Andy's running and he gets about a mile from the finish line and there's a guy lying by the side of the road, And he's not obviously injured, he's not dying, but he's just lying there. And so Andy goes over to him and and he remembers what Brad says in that last mile. And he goes, hey, come on, let's do this together. And he reaches out his hand and he pulls the guy up. And as he's pulling him up to his feet, he notices because we all have these bibs on that have our name on them. He notices the guy's name is Moses. And so Andy goes, your name's Moses. We're running to Moses let's do this thing together. And so that's what they did. They ran the last mile together and finished it. Do you ever wish that at the most difficult moments in your life, someone would just reach out their hand to you and say, come on, let's do this together, right? Come on, let's, let's finish this thing together. Because we have this tendency, don't we, to run stronger and to run better when we're running with somebody. There are so many parallels between running and life. I really think it's why the New Testament uses running and competing as an analogy for running a life with Jesus in this world. But you don't have to be a runner to know that there are days when life comes pretty easy, right? There are days when you glide out of bed and you're singing zippity-doo-dah and you run out the door, you get your coffee or whatever you get that wakes you up in the morning and you have a great day right from the very beginning. And then there are days where it's a day, right? You got days where you don't really wanna get out of bed. You don't really wanna go to work. You don't really wanna go to school. You don't really wanna do the things that you have to do. And in fact, even today, maybe today is one of those days. Maybe for some of you today, it's a miracle that you're even here this morning. Because when you woke up, you didn't want to get out of bed. And then when you did get out of bed, you didn't really want to get in your car, but something compelled you to get there. And you got in your car and you started driving and you ended up here at church and you don't really understand why, but it's a miracle that you're here. But you need help. You need someone to come alongside of you. You need someone to reach out that hand and pull you up and run this race with you. You know what the great thing about our God is? He never meant to leave us alone. He didn't design us to do life alone. He designed us to be dependent creatures. We can't really survive on our own, let alone thrive. He created us to be dependent, to be dependent on him, to be uh, dependent on someone else to help us live faithful, satisfying lives here in this world. Well, if you're new with us today, we're in this series called One Thing. And uh, we've been spending the last few weeks uh, looking at some of Jesus's final words from John chapter 15, where he said, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. And just as a branch has to stay connected to the vine in order to get life and in order to bear fruit, we have to stay relationally connected to Jesus. That's what he was reminding us of. In his his last few moments of life, he wanted to tell us, uh, there was one thing you really need to do. You need to abide in me. And so we've been uh, just encouraged because Jesus promised that if we abide in him, that we will bear much fruit and that we can bring God, God glory in this world. Now, abiding is kind of a churchy word. We don't use it a lot in real life, but it means to stay connected to or to remain in or to dwell in. Um, sometimes it's translated as to continue to be present with someone or something. And so our challenge in this series has been this. We've said our challenge is to make abiding in Christ your number one prayer and pursuit. Number one prayer and pursuit. That means the number one thing we ask for and the number, number one thing we seek after. Right, The thing, first thing we pray about and pursue. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how do we do that? Like, how do we abide? And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the importance of knowing Christ's love, that Jesus loves us and that he forgave us. And we talked about forgiving others as we've been forgiven. And then last week, Jerry pointed out how uh, abiding in Jesus means that we have to meditate on Scripture. It's not enough just to read our Bibles. We have to meditate on that. We have to let those words sink in. We have to let them take hold in our heart. And today, I want to talk about the critical role that the Holy Spirit can play in our life. Now, the Holy Spirit is maybe the most misunderstood aspect of God, the most misunderstood person in the Trinity. Now, I want to say that because I want you to know the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a being, it's not an it, just like we wouldn't call Jesus an it. The Holy Spirit is a he, He he's a person, right? He's the third person in the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or if you grew up in some church traditions, the Holy Ghost. Or if you grew up listening to Don McLean's American Pie, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Um, John uh, 14 is where we're gonna start. In John 14, just to give you a little bit of a setup, uh, Jesus and his disciples are having dinner together. It's what many of us know as the Last Supper. This is the last meal that Jesus will eat on earth with his disciples before he dies. And he begins explaining to them how he's going to be leaving. And this is where we'll start, John 14, 15, if you have your Bibles open there. He says, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, "'If you love me, keep my commands.'" This is a theme throughout scripture, by the way. Alex read something from John 8, where Jesus said basically the same thing. Uh, We read something last week from John 15, if you love me, keep my commands. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now, we just have to be honest and say that the disciples really didn't understand. It looks like from what we read that they didn't really understand what Jesus was talking about here. They know something big's about to happen and they're pretty scared. We can see it in their actions. They're pretty afraid. And it doesn't help that Jesus keeps talking about leaving. And so he tries to reassure them. He says, I'm going away, but I'm gonna send someone else. I'm gonna send an advocate to help you. Now, just to get your mind around how difficult this must have been for the disciples, I want you to think about your very best friend in life. That, that friend that um, has been there to help you through the most difficult parts of your life. You know, that friend that uh, when you have something great happens to you, the first person that you pick up the phone and call, that friend, imagine that that friend after the service today comes to you and tells you, I got a new job, I'm moving out of state, we may never see each other again. That's a difficult moment, Right? This is what the disciples are going through. But then imagine that that friend says, but it's okay, don't worry. I'm going to send another friend in my place. And you kind of go, what? You can't really do that, right? You can't just take this friend that you've invested so many years of life with and go away and think it's gonna be okay if you just send another friend in their place. But that's what Jesus says, right? He says, "Uh, I'm gonna send someone else in my place. Now, notice that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the advocate, I'm going to send you another advocate. It's the Greek word. The Greek word that's used there is the word parakletos, or uh, we sometimes it's sometimes shortened to paraclete. Paraklete. Not parakeet. That would be different if Jesus sent a parakeet in his place. That's different. Paraklete. Paraklete literally means one who walks alongside. I'm going to send somebody to come alongside of you. Now, keep in mind that we're in John 14. It's not until John 15, the next chapter, that Jesus talks about the vine and the branches and abiding in him. And in essence, Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is going to help you. He's going to be an advocate for you. And here's what he's going to help you do. He's going to help you abide in me. And this is number point number one in your notes if you're taking notes today. The Holy Spirit helps us abide in Christ. that, that this is not something that we can always do in our own strength, that abiding in Christ is not something that we have to do alone. We have the Holy Spirit. And that moment, if you're a follower of Jesus, that moment you surrendered your life to Christ, God sent the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you, to live in your heart. The Holy Spirit helps us. That's why Jesus called him a helper. It's why he called him an advocate. He wants to help us by strengthening us to live boldly and to live courageously in this world. We see it in the book of Acts, in the first disciples, how they were a little bit cowardly, a little bit fearful, even while they were walking with Jesus. But in the book of Acts, after Jesus has ascended into heaven, they come out boldly with their faith because the, Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit and he's living inside of them, right? So we see that in there. So I, I, keep in mind, it's, this is really important to understand that we have this Holy Spirit saying, keep going. You can do this. Keep abiding in Jesus. When we're feeling all alone, we don't feel like we have anything else to give. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and helps us. He supports us. He, he, he says, you can do this. You've got this. It's so important that we get this right and we realize that those of us who have trusted Christ have this gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. But do you know what I find? I find that most Christians, or many Christians, I should say, shouldn't say most, many Christians fall into one of two extremes when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're, they're either so obsessed with this false idea of a Holy Spirit that only speaks in mysterious voices and through extreme circumstances, so much that the, the, the gifts of the Spirit Become something that's more important than the presence of the Spirit. Like I think in some traditions, the the spiritual gifts can almost become an idol because it's like they're more important than having the Spirit in your life themselves. Uh, They become even more important than the presence of God. But then on this other side, there are Christians who are very ignorant when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit. We might know about the Holy Spirit and we understand that he has something to do with God. We may even realize that he's living inside of us. But if we're honest, we, some of us kind of relate to the Holy Spirit about as much as we relate to our pituitary gland. It's like, we know it's in there somewhere, it's doing something important, it's kind of functioning, but I don't really understand it or what it does or why it's even there, right? There's no real interaction with it. Well, author Francis Chan says this. He says, the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital to our situation today. Of course, he's always vital, but perhaps especially now. After all, if the Holy Spirit moves, nothing can stop him. If he doesn't move, we will not produce genuine fruit, no matter how much effort or money we expend. The church becomes irrelevant when it becomes purely a human creation. We are not all we were made to be when everything in our lives and our churches can be explained apart from the work and the presence of the Spirit of God." Pretty convicting for me this week. But whether we make too much of the spirit or too little, both extremes are unfortunate. I mean, think about it. The, the, the Holy Spirit was so important to Jesus that he told his disciples, it's going to be to their advantage that he goes away, that it's gonna be better for them that he goes away. Look at this in John sixteen seven. He says, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Now imagine that friend again, saying, hey, it's better for you that I'm going away. I'm gonna send this other friend and that friend's gonna be better. It's better for you. Jesus says that. He says, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, I don't blame you if it's difficult for you to get, this, get your mind around this. Uh, because if you're, me, like, you're like me, you're thinking like, how is this an advantage? I mean, what could be better than spending three years, three and a half years walking alongside Jesus and being in his presence every day? but let's remember the reality is we serve a God who has always wanted to be close to his people. you see this all throughout scripture, all throughout his word. If you look at, at the very beginning in the book of Genesis, God created this garden, the garden of Eden, where he would live with his people, where he would dwell with them, he would walk with them. And then the opening of the book of Exodus describes a God who uh, led the Israelites around through the wilderness. And he led them by, with a cloud by day and a fire by night. And then uh, he instructed them through Moses to build a tabernacle, this, this tent, this temporary dwelling where the presence of God would live. And whenever the Israelites would move from place to place to place, they would set up this tent first and they set it up in the middle of their camp and set their camp around it so that the presence of God would be in the middle of them. And then finally they get to their, their own territory, their own land, the promised land, the land that God had promised them. And he instructs them to build a temple, a permanent residence, where the presence of God could live. But then it wasn't enough for God to just be present on earth. He sent his son. When the Messiah came, he sent Jesus to put on skin and become like one of us and to walk among us. That the, the presence of God walked among his people for 33 years. But even that wasn't enough. That when Jesus died, and was resurrected, and he spent 40 days on earth. And when he ascended into heaven, God sent the Holy Spirit just as he would promised. And it's the Holy Spirit who resides in the heart of all believers, which means that if you are in Christ, you have God in you. Like he couldn't be any closer. God went from being in the middle of us to walking among us to being in us. No one in the history of earth has ever been closer to God than you are right now if you're a Christian. The Holy Spirit is abiding in you. He lives inside of you and he's there to help us abide in Jesus. And if you're having a difficult time still understanding that, don't worry, I get it too. I, I still struggle to understand what that means, but maybe just being reminded of it this morning that you have a helper, that you have an advocate that's living inside of you could mark a new season in your relationship with God. He is with us. If you are in Christ, he is in you and he can help you abide in Jesus. How does he help us abide in Jesus? Let's look at a couple of verses that talk about that. John 14, 25, Jesus says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. What's the Holy Spirit do? Jesus says, he will teach you all things. He will remind you of my words. And then something else in John 16, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So this is point two in your notes. How does the Holy Spirit help us? He teaches us. He helps us by teaching us and guiding us. He teaches us and guides us. What's the primary way he does this? Through his word the Bible. Look at these words again, John 14:26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Isn't it true that we often need to be reminded more than we need to be taught? You ever hear something you think, I used to know that. I feel like I used to know the answer to that, but no, nobody reminded you lately. Sometimes we have to be reminded of what we've been taught, right? And then he says this in John 16, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. How does he teach us? How does he guide us? It's through God's word. He doesn't make this up as he goes. Isaiah 30 says it like this. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. The Holy Spirit teaches and guides in line with the scriptures that God has already inspired. He's already given it to us. It's through the Bible that God is always speaking and never silent. Now, sure, sometimes God breaks into our lives in unexpected ways, and He has a a bit of wisdom for us in a a specific piece of guidance for a certain situation in particular time. But I can promise you the guidance of the Holy Spirit will never contradict or violate the word that God has already given to us, which is a great reminder that if we truly want to know the will of God for our lives, we're not going to do it apart from the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And if we want to follow the Holy Spirit, we're not going to do it apart from you and I spending significant time in the word of God. If you're not in God's word regularly, you're not gonna be effectively led by God. It's that simple. And that's why I wanna encourage you. We can't say this enough. And I'm personally convicted by this as well. Figure out a time to spend time alone with God every day. I mean, this is about a relationship. Our our goal as Christians, our reward, our prize is to spend eternity with God. That's what we look forward to. That's what we long for. That's what we're heading for. We wanna spend eternity with him, but we can't spend 15 minutes a day with him now? How crazy is that? If you're truly in a relationship, don't you wanna spend time with somebody you're in a relationship with? How many of you are in a relationship of some sort? Do you ever spend time with the person you're in a relationship with? I hope you say yes. (laughs) Do you ever communicate with the person you're in a relationship with? Do you ever listen to the person you're in a relationship with? If we want to be in a relationship with God, isn't it important that we spend time with him, that we listen to his word? It's through God's word that the Holy Spirit is activated in you. I'm telling you, if you are a Christian, you already have all of God's Holy Spirit living inside of you. You will not get more Holy Spirit from reading more Bible. You have all of the Holy Spirit you need already living in you, but through his word, it's activated inside of you. And it's those moments alone, reading and studying and listening and praying that the Holy Spirit comes alive in you. It's the Holy Spirit that will guide you to just the words you need and in just the right moments of your life. And sometimes you can't explain it and you sure can't predict it, but God will get your attention in a powerful way that will be significant and important for you. It reminds me of the story that you can find in the Old Testament of the prophet Elijah. If you want to read this later, it's in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah was discouraged when he was uh, not hearing from God in the ways he had hoped. He he was running for his life, and he ended up uh, in the wilderness. And he was ashamed and defeated and desperate to hear from God. He wanted to hear from God in a in an amazing, powerful, thunderous voice. And while he waited, there was this great wind, and the wind was so strong. The Bible says that it it broke the rocks apart and. Elijah was convinced that God would be in that wind, but he wasn't in the wind. Then along after the wind came an earthquake and God wasn't in the earthquake either. And then along came a fire, this great raging fire while Elijah was still standing there, but God wasn't in the fire. And then after the fire subsided, there was a whisper. And it was just a quiet voice of God saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, God's voice in our lives doesn't always come in the ways we expect And it doesn't always come in the way he may have for others. And God spoke to Elijah through a whisper. I wonder where you might want to hear from God right now. Maybe you've got questions about your faith. Maybe you've got questions about your future and what your future holds. Maybe you're hurting from a relationship that's ended recently. Uh, maybe you've received some bad news uh, that you're still trying to struggle with and figure out how it relates to a good God. Maybe you want to do something greater with your life, but you seem to be getting nowhere with it. Maybe you want to abide in Christ, but you don't know how, and you're desperately wanting to hear from you, from, or you're desperately wanting to hear from Him. Sometimes, God whispers. And in order to hear those whispers, We have to keep putting ourselves in places and in moments where we can be quiet enough to hear what he has to say to us. It's in those moments that the spirit is activated and begins working on our behalf. Jesus said, it's to to your advantage that I go. If I go, I will send a helper, the Holy Spirit. He won't just be around or be available if you need him. He will be in you. He'll be ready to work through you. And he's the one who can show you the way to go. He's the one that can help you to hear and discern the voice of God as he leads and guides you in the word of God. But it's important to make time in the scriptures. You have gotta make time. Maybe you say, I'm too busy, I don't have time. I just want to encourage you to stop using those words. We all have the same amount of time. Maybe you just need to be honest with yourself and say, it's just not a priority for me right now. Uh, We make time for everything that's priority, right? Uh, But if the word of God's not a priority for you, just be honest with you. I mean, at the risk of sounding harsh, if you don't have time each day to be alone with God, you're either too busy or you're doing too much. You got to figure it out. Just figure it out. Now, maybe you say, well, I've tried before, but I don't hear anything. I just wanna encourage you to keep going. Keep going, don't give up yet. If, if you came to me and said, I, I've been eating real healthy for the last three days and I've been working out for three days and I haven't lost any weight, you know what I'd say to you? Give up, it's not working. No, I wouldn't say that. I'd say, keep going, keep going. You're doing the right things. You're doing the right things. Even though you may not see a result yet, you're doing the right things in the same way. Whispers are hard to hear. Whispers take practice to hear. They take attention. Keep making space for God in your life. After a while, you'll learn to identify his voice. I promise you, because John 10 tells us that we can hear the voice of the shepherd, that we know his voice, that if we practice, we'll be able to hear it and he will get your attention. We weren't made to do life alone. We are dependent creatures. That's why Jesus told his disciples, if there was just one thing, there's just one instruction I could give you, it would be this. Keep abiding in me. Stay connected to me and to my word. It's through my word that I will encourage and instruct you through life. And the good news is I won't leave you to do life on your own. Jesus said, you think, you think being with me is good. I've got something better. God's going to come live in you. The Holy Spirit, he will guide you. He will teach you. He will help you through life and he'll help you abide in me. Because here's the truth. You can do some stuff apart from Jesus. Like, like you can, there are some things that you can do. Let me tell you what you can do. Uh, you can do, you can be a great financial success. You can make lots of money, save lots of money. You can be a financial success and have lots of things and be the envy of the world apart from Christ. You can have good health. You can be healthy and fit and gain muscle and lose fat, maybe even at the same time, apart from Christ. You can be incredibly artistic, incredibly intelligent. You can be talented in just about any field you want, but you won't do anything of real significance. You won't do anything of lasting impact. You won't do anything of eternal value apart from Jesus. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So imagine what he might want to do with you. It's the same for us as a church. Like we could build a really big influential church without Jesus. We could hire inspirational speakers, and fantastic musicians and have the best coffee and create a really fun, appealing place to spend for an hour or two on Sunday. And we could grow and to the world, that would look like success. But that's not what I want for our church. I don't wanna be known as the church who has great preaching. Some of you are thinking that's a good thing. <laughs> I don't wanna be known as the church that has the best music. I don't even wanna be known as the church that's incredibly friendly and warm and welcoming. My deepest desire for Genesis Church, if people outside these walls notice anything about us, I want them to look at the people in this room, the people in this church and say, there's a church who are abiding in Christ. There's a church who are being led by the Holy Spirit and meditating on his word. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only way that we will bear much fruit. But I realized this week that if we as a church are going to abide in Christ, it means that we as people have to abide in Christ. If we as a church are gonna be led by the Holy Spirit, it means that we individually as people are gonna have to be led by the Spirit. And I wanna tell you as somebody who has been on both sides of that equation, I've lived life by the flesh, for half my life and I've lived life by the spirit for half my life and I can tell you in all honesty life by the spirit is so much better. It's so much more exciting. It's so much more fulfilling. It's so much more rewarding and it's so much more dangerous because what if he asked me to do something I'm not willing to do? What if he asked me to go somewhere I'm not willing to go? What if he asked me to to give up something, I'm not ready to give up. Am I ready to? Am I ready to follow that lead? Are you ready to follow that lead? Do you realize the gift that you have in the Holy Spirit inside of you? You know, one of the things that we've been saying these last four weeks is that we want to make abiding in Jesus our number one prayer and number one pursuit. And I thought it'd be best if we just close this series by. Let's let's just pray that. Let's pray that together and let's pray it individually. And so what we're gonna do, I'm just gonna put this prayer on the screen and I'm gonna give you a couple minutes to just wallow in this for yourself. You can pray this prayer, you can pray your own prayer, but what we're asking is the one thing I ask, the one thing I seek is that I would abide in you. And so let's just uh, quietly to yourselves, let's just pray for a couple minutes and then I'll come back and I'll close this in a prayer. So Lord, help us. Let your spirit help us to abide in you. We wanna remain in you. We wanna stay connected to you. We wanna remain in your word. We wanna follow your commands. We wanna be the kind of church that you envisioned when you left earth and sent your spirit to dwell here. God, help us to have access to the power the Holy Spirit offers. Help us to activate that spirit by spending significant time with you. God, as a church, we want to be known as a place that's abiding in you. We want people to look from the outside and go, one thing we know about them is they are being led by the Holy Spirit. And so help us individually to do that today. Lord, we know that you promise that you will lead us. Help us to be great followers us to desire the kind of life that comes living by the Spirit. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.